plus 135 and Brady was plus 125. Let me see if I can look up. No, that's how we'll start the show talking about uh, Rogers' MVP odds. Here, I'll send this to you so you can look at. It. There you go. I believe you. I mean, I believe you. They have. Yeah, I wrote down Jonathan that's... Taylor too because I wanted. To, I wanted to mention. Jonathan. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if he won it, but I really think he's going to end up winning the Offensive Player of the Year. But yeah, just because like with him, like the Colts aren't that good is the is the issue. Right. Well, I mean, it's Patriots. So. Okay. So I had a Rams fan this morning trying to tell me that Lazard and MVS were somehow equal to Robert Woods and OBJ, but the difference in between Rodgers and Stafford was at least twice as much. But yet all I heard from Rams fans before this season was that now that Matthew Stafford is a Ram, that they're Super Bowl contenders. And he's like, mm, Stafford's there. Rodgers is at least twice as good as Stafford. Meanwhile, Stafford is fourth in MVP or MVP odds. And, well, I mean, Devontae's better than Cooper Cup. I would say that was, the, that was what the discussion was. Robert Woods <laughs> is better than the other two, any two Packer wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it is what it is. But, I mean, that's how we're opening the show. Robert Woods is better. OBJ is. Probably better even, than either. Even of them as by well. name, OBJ is probably better than both of them. Yeah, I mean, MVS and Lazard are no slouches. Let's be honest; they're still pretty good oh, yeah. receivers. I mean, they're, they're, they're like both they're very little, useful. I feel like they're a little disrespectful, <clears throat> but it's not like the Rams are like short on playmakers. Where the Rams are short on playmakers is running back in the backfield. That's right for the short on playmakers. That's where I'd give the huge right. advantage to the Packers. But you know, that this actually. What this reminds me of, and I, di- I didn't look up the stats to determine if this was you know, going to be a, a true statement, but <clears throat> Cooper Cup this year is reminding me of what Michael Thomas reminded me of just a few years ago when he had like 180-some targets because that's where Cooper Cup is going. And <clears throat> Cooper Cup's going to put up discussion. all these impressive totals and stuff, but um, you know, maybe we'll revisit that next week and I'll uh, – I'll get a little bit more stats and kind of compare that a little bit. But, I mean, that's what it's reminding me of is that he's just getting so many targets that you would expect him to put up big numbers just because he's, you know, like if, if you were to look at, say, like a usage rate type thing for Cooper Cup, I'd bet it was just off the charts. <clears throat> oh, yeah, 100%. You know how they they usually only do usage rates and stuff like that in, like, NBA and mm-hmm. stuff. But right. if they did that in the NFL, oh, yeah, Cooper <clears throat> massive. Yeah. And rightfully so. He's a good player, but... Yeah, you know I mean, what? That's that's interesting, dude, that you brought that up. The Michael Thomas thing, that's a great comparison. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it would be relatively easy enough to figure out. You just have to find the, the Rams' total number of plays run, Cooper Cup's number yep. of targets and rush attempts, and then divide that. So maybe I can pull that up. <clears throat> All right. But anyways, now that we're three minutes in, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics <laughs> Wednesday. Um, before we start talking about the Packers, I want to give – um, just a little, a little talk, and <clears throat> this is applicable for every sports fan. Doesn't matter who you're a fan of. <clears throat> I was um, listening to a podcast earlier today, and um, you know, I, I like to, I like to think once in a while, and you know, kind of exercise my brain a little bit as my dogs are going nuts. Probably another dog walking by. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, 
one of the things is that, you know, your subconscious wants to prove you right. So when you're thinking about something, your brain wants to look for ways to, to prove you right. Or if you are thinking about a certain thing, it's going to start to stand out for you more. Like, um, like when you buy a car, you buy your new car, and then suddenly you start to see your car all over the place. And you're like, oh, everybody has the same car as me. Stuff like that. Uh-huh. Now, your perception is really powerful that way. And one of the things that we want to do with this show, we call ourselves cautiously optimistic. Now, I was thinking about this today. Your, your perception is really powerful and your subconscious wants to prove you right. So if you are only perceiving things negatively, whether you be one of the fire Budenholzer people or trade Aaron Rodgers people or, you know, or trade Middleton people or such and such players not worth their contract. The only thing you're going to see when you're watching all of these games and watching your teams is things that would prove your your perception of whatever you are thinking about correct. So let's say let's say Chris Middleton is overpaid in your mind. The only things you're going to see when you're watching Bucks games are Chris Middleton missing shots and committing turnovers. You're not going to see him closing games out. You're not going to see him making free throws with less than a minute left to put games on ice. You're not going to see him making great passes. And what I want what I want people to think about with this, and this is a challenge for everybody that's watching this or watching sports, is just try to just try to change it a little bit because you know you're you're really robbing yourself of enjoying watching your favorite teams. Like I I want somebody who has, you know, let's say you're a giant Bucks fan, and let's say you loved Eric Bledsoe and hate that he was traded for Drew Holiday. So you decided you weren't going to like Drew Holiday. And then, you know, he makes big plays in the finals, and he helps the Bucks get over the hump to win a championship, and you decide, oh, I didn't like Drew Holiday, so you didn't enjoy the championship as much. So my, my challenge here to people, and this is kind of what, um, changed our discussion from the Bucks today from doing so much recap and doing more looking forward stuff is just take a step back and try to enjoy things and not be so, you know, dealing in the absolute of, you know, this is going to happen. Like the, like, okay, the Bucks are 19 and 13. The Bucks are 32 games into the season. There are 50 games left. And there are people that think the Bucks are done that they should just tank. Like, are you serious? There's 50 games left. <laughs> and we were talking about it before the show that the Bucks had eight players available against the Cavaliers the other day. And people are freaking out because they lost. So my, my challenge to people is to take a step back and try to enjoy your teams playing a little more and, you know, not hold on to so much you know, negativity when it comes to your teams just because you've had negative associations in the past. Because if that's the way you think, your brain's going to try to prove you right. That's that's my speech for today. Okay, first of all, <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm, I'm going to back off that. I'm going to try my best. Tyler told me he had a little PSA <clears throat> announcement to start the show. I had no idea what he was going to say. I like that. Um, you know, Giannis had a quote, what was that, about a week or two ago now, where he talked about how you don't recognize greatness when you're watching it in the moment. 
It was something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. You know what? That quote fits perfectly in the way you were just saying. And it also can be, you can also fit that into the narrative of people that hate Rodgers' attitude outside of football. You know, why are you so worried about what he does outside of football? You know, I have this discussion with plenty of people, man. Uh, people talking about, about, you know, what he said on Pat McAfee's show or what he did or, or what he does to his family. I'm like, listen, man, at the end of the day, sports is entertainment for me. It is an escape from my real life that sometimes I get stressed out at work. Sometimes I get stressed out in my daily life. I like to sit down on Sundays. I watch the Green Bay Packers suit up, and I watch them win a lot of football games. Rodgers puts a helmet on. He's my quarterback. I support him throwing touchdowns. End of discussion right there, you know. And mm-hmm. to your point about Middleton, man, uh, I was one of those people very skeptical of him. But I still tried my very best to always give credit when credit is due. You know, I saw the, him, him improve as a passer, as a ball handler, as a defender. He really rounded himself into a really, really great player. You know, Drew Holiday, to your point, he wasn't just making plays, you know, in the finals. He was making plays all season long when Giannis would have his rest days. He just did it this past week uh, in a game that we ended up losing to the Pelicans. He scored 40 points. If you're a guy that is going to hate on people, you know, just for your own personal, you know, beliefs or your own personal gain, I mean, by all means, that's no way to go through life. I mean, this could turn from a sports thing to a personal thing. Uh, you need to change your mindset at that point because your mindset is going to take you as far as you want to go. And, you know, on this show, we cheer for everybody to succeed, and we don't want any glass half-empty type of people. Uh, glass half-full is the type of mindset that we like to have. So with that being said, I wanted to do one thing real quick, actually. Uh, it's actually one of our personal friends, uh, Alex Hartlob. Uh It's his birthday today, uh, birthday 29. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say happy birthday yeah. to my boy. Um, you know, Tyler and I, we love you, man. I uh, appreciate you helping us with uh, Parker John stuff and just being a goofball, man. So happy birthday. Hope you're having a great day, man. And I wanted to say Merry Christmas on behalf of Wisco Fanatics. I know we're not going to, this is our, this is our live show before we, uh, hit Christmas. So make sure, you know, when you're, if you're traveling, be safe. Okay. I'm going to say that at the end of the show as well, but just wanted to get that out there now. I am ready. We have a great episode, man. I really, really like the construction of this episode. So, Tyler, give me a, give me a, give me the floor back. Um, To your point about you know being a glass half full person and you know wanting to keep wanting to keep debates constructive, and that's something that I I really appreciate is when I can have a a discussion with somebody about something and it not turn into well you're stupid because you don't agree with me or or the one argument Mm -hmm. that I hate is the it's not even close that's like the the cooper cup Devonte adams discussion we were having the when somebody says mm-hmm. you know this one's better than this one and it's not even close it's like no it's very close <laughs> these two are very very close um mm-hmm. you know in this type of discussion you know you're not comparing cooper cup to sammy watkins that would be not even close when it's a close discussion and somebody drops the phrase not even close that tells me that you're out of arguments and, you know, you're just going to argue just for the sake of arguing. Yeah. Or you're a fan of that, that team. You know, like the people that can't admit when somebody makes a good point, like it's not going to kill you, might even make you a friend or two. Just a thought. <laughs> it might make you a friend or two. Hey, I wanted to point out James' comment, by the way. Uh, yep. James, what's up, buddy? Uh, awesome that the Saints beat the Buccaneers, first of all. 
want to say thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, he said, hey, guys, I know you probably don't care about volleyball, but Wisconsin volleyball team won the national championship. I thought you might be interested since it's Wisconsin. We actually have two posts about Wisconsin volleyball. Tyler did a great job posting both times. He Actually, we made a post about Wisconsin winning that championship but we I actually that, yeah we I, I know jake texted me the night of the semifinal so i watched the the semifinal and the national championship so i actually watched both actually because they were on espn so yeah um, i was able yep. to watch the badgers win the the semifinal and the national championship so that was fun i was, I was getting erica during the semifinal <laughs> <laughs> so i watched the whole thing but <clears throat> man it was awesome all right we are going to jump into Packers discussion. Yes, we are going to start with three stars of the game. So, Jake, hit me with your three stars. All right, man. Yeah, this is getting tough, man. And Tyler feels the exact same way as I do because we have so many people contributing. And this feels like a championship team, in my opinion. Um, first of all, I wanted to say two, two things before I get into my three stars. Uh, big Dog has really been playing great the last couple games. Made a lot of big-time catches. Uh, he had one catch uh, against the Ravens, and he's just juking people, moving left and right, and he's so light on his feet. And I'm just like, why is this refrigerator so light on his feet, man? It's crazy. I, I feel like he breaks at least two tackles every time he touches the ball. Because they try to go low on him, and he's actually yeah. pretty nimble for a big guy. Um, I wanted to point out Devontae Adams scoring against a double team because – that is filthy. Dude, they're three, you're three yards from the end zone. And they're just like, all right, man, we're taking away the inside. The only way you can go is outside. And Devontae's just like, okay, I guess I'll go outside. And Aaron Rodgers' ball placement is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, he had some good throws in this game. And Devontae had yep. some nice catches, yeah, even though he was kind of held down. Um, but anyways, let's get started. Three stars. right? So my third star, kind of basic, but... Devondre Campbell, man. I mean, what more can I say about this guy? Ten tackles, five solo, sack, tackle for loss, quarterback hit. Um, he had that quarterback sack on yep. fourth and goal in the first quarter. Yep. Wiped out, you know, the Ravens started the game on a 14-play drive. Went for it on fourth and goal. And when you see the end score of this game, 31-30, you're like, wow. That play was massive in the beginning of the game. But Harbaugh wishes he'd taken the points. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he went for it on fourth down again. You know, later mm-hmm. came out by two scores, which was really stupid. Um, my second star was actually Marquez Valdez Scantling. All year, we've been for this guy to pop off and have a big, big time game, and he really, really stepped up in the time when we needed him. He had two really, really nice plays. Uh, I'd say three. I'd say three. Okay, he had three good catches. Yeah, he had a long 31-yarder, too. Um, But the other one they had was against linebacker. He was running up the field, and Rodgers just whizzes a ball right past this linebacker's head. He saw that play like four seconds in advance to make Oh, my God, did he ever, dude. And he just, you know, Marquez's hands are right here, right? And the the linebacker's trailing him. You know, the linebacker didn't even get to turn his head around, and that throw was right there. And I was at my dad's house. I remember standing up like, whoa. I really hope I don't have to miss that next year. I'll tell you that right now. But Aaron Rodgers is my number one star. I mean, 
I love this guy. I can't say anything else. He's the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, 268 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he had a 132 rating, 84 QBR. And he now, after Sunday, uh, took over the lead as the MVP favorite. He is plus 125. So Rodgers is in the lead for that. And with a little update on Matt LaFleur, he is actually he moved up to second in Coach of the Year. So Belichick is plus 100, and Matt LaFleur is now plus 300 for Coach of the Year. So we are trending in the right direction, baby. Hey, I mean, the, the Colts beat the Patriots, so that helps too. So, you know, uh-huh. if uh, if the AFC feels the need to get even more muddy than it already is with, like, 11 teams within, like, four games of each other. <clears throat> James, if I had to guess mm-hmm. the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, I'd say Cam Jordan. That's just me. It, w- it was Cam Jordan. <clears throat> See, I didn't even watch that game. I just guessed, and I still got it right. <laughs> All right, so for me... Three stars of the game. Um, I went generic on my third star again, and it was the the receivers. So this includes MVS, who Jake already mentioned. It includes Devontae Adams, who just, I mean, you can't stop Devontae Adams. Your best hope is to hold him to less than six catches and 80 yards and hope that he only scores one touchdown. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You mentioned, I mean, Mercedes Lewis, dude, he needs to get a touchdown. He needs one. He needs one. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you a question later, and I'm going to include Mercedes Lewis in it. Um, But just the pass catchers in general. Tyler Davis making a really nice catch on second and seven when Rodgers has two guys right in his face. Tyler Davis makes a nice catch right here. Um, Just more good ball placement by Rodgers, trusting a guy that doesn't have, you know, a ton of playing time or experience with the team. And, you know, he, he. makes the play when he was needed. Uh, mm-hmm. Josiah DeGuara wasn't quite as involved as he was the last two weeks, but still involved, still active, still getting some first downs that were really key, um, like the third and one play where he got across the, the first down mark by this much. Um, mm-hmm. And just just the amount of guys involved. I'm going to get back to that when I when I go to my, uh, my other star. But number two, I wanted to throw in Aaron Jones. Uh, he only had 13 carries, 17 total touches, but he averaged four and a half yards per carry against the number one rushing defense in the in the NFL. So um, I wanted to throw that out there. And Aaron Jones made the really nice catch to get the receiving touchdown, so that's back-to-back weeks with a receiving touchdown. Um, yes, Isaac, the special teams is still abysmal. I only have one note on special teams this week. But uh, my number one star for this game, also Aaron Rodgers, um, he handled the pressure really well. Um, even though Baltimore is missing a bunch of defensive players, they still have a good defense. Um, yeah. So they were able to handle that well. He got some pressure on him early, took a couple of sacks. Um, I would give Kelly a couple weeks, you know, the, the I don't know, what did he play, like two quarters right. last week, and now, and now the, uh, yeah, the he played Ravens the full game. Ravens game now. So he's got about yeah. a game and a half in this year. Um, so <clears throat> hopefully the Browns can be kind of a get right game, but it's also going to be a very, very big challenge for him. Uh, you know, you already mentioned Aaron Rodgers rating. The last thing I want to mention with Aaron Rodgers is that he completed passes to eight different receivers. That That's when he's at his best, really. I'll be completely honest when he's not staring down Devante or back in the day, Jordy, um, when Rodgers is at his best, he's spreading the ball around. He's hitting the tight ends. He's hitting the running backs. He's hitting the second, third receiver. And I, like, I think that's 
I think that's what makes the Packers offense the most dangerous is when you don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going with the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Rodgers twin playing. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> we could probably have Rodgers twin play against the Lions and still win that game at least. Well, I'm hoping we get a sit Rodgers. I'm hoping we get in a situation that Rodgers can sit a game. I agree. I really do. <clears throat> All right. So let's jump into some recap here. Let's talk about the Packers offense versus the Ravens defense. Well, we kind of touched on some stuff, man. I mean, you t- uh, you kind of took yep. a little bit of my notes uh, that the Ravens are all banged up <laughs> on their defense, but Aaron Rodgers just does what Aaron Rodgers does, right? When Aaron Rodgers is right and he's throwing the ball to all these people and we got people like MVS, I mean – just look at the second receiver, right? Last week, the second receiver was Lazard. Lazard played an absolutely great game last week. And then this week, MVS comes in, and he's the he's the second star. I mean, teams are always going to try to take away Devontae. They're always going to double-team him. He still got his touchdown this week. And the thing that I want to see improve, I guess, uh, I'm going to take this moment to kind of give some constructive criticism to the Packers because it feels like we just love, 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 love. There's a lot to love about this team. One thing that I kind of want to improve is It'd be nice if we could run the ball a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. I mean, we do it okay, and I understand that we have like basically all backup linemen in. But I would like to see Aaron Jones have a game here pretty soon, you know, an Aaron Jones game of 110 and a couple of rushing touchdowns. That would be nice to not have to lean on Rodgers, you know, to throw it 30 times or 40 times in a game. Is it working right now? Yeah, yeah. We're getting and to the Lions, is... that might be that game. <clears throat> yeah. I, I hope it is because it would be it would be nice you know maybe get both of them to over eighty rushing yards even, or something like that. I mean that. even Cleveland even Cleveland could be that game potentially. Let's let's come back to that. Let's come back to that when we talk about the preview. Yeah, that was that was you know that's there's one thing that I wrote down that I just really had a little bit of constructive <clears throat> criticism. Be nice to run the ball, dominate on the ground, you know, a little bit. Um, I mean they have that ability. They really do. Um, other oh, yeah. than that, I don't, I don't have anything else. I mean I know that. I didn't. I should have wrote down his name, but there's a corner on the Ravens. He's number 17, and he gave up a couple touchdowns Jackson. last week. That's his name. He gave up the touchdown to MVS, so. and he gave up the the outside leverage to Devontae on the touchdowns. So yep. he got beat on the inside and the outside. Um, that guy's not gonna be in the NFL very long because he's getting toasted. I think he's <laughs> a practice squad guy, anyways. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're not on defense yet, Isaac, so don't get ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, that's, it says Packers offense. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down Kenny All Clark. Right. Just wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a couple other things I wanted to say about the Packers offense. Uh, Rodgers mm-hmm. had two really rare missed throws in this game. The first drive on the um, on the third down just barely missed Devontae, which could have been potentially like – I don't know. It depends. Do you trust Devontae Adams to be a safety in a foot race? I would say I do. So that that could have been like a 90-yard touchdown. Yeah. He um, just missed him. <sighs> I know. He just missed him by a little bit. Um, <sighs> and then he missed Alan Lazard in the back of the end zone just a little bit too. Um, that could have been potentially three different wide receivers on the Packers with all the touchdowns. Man. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm going to ask you about that again later. Um, I like seeing MVS staying involved. He's had you know, times where he could have been the number two receiver and he just kind of fades away a little bit. Um, so it was nice mm-hmm. to see MVS like step up to the plate, um, get involved on some different routes 
besides, you know, just taking the top off the defense. We know he's the take the top off the defense guy, but I want to see more from him. That's what I've always wanted from MVS is to see more than, you know, just blocking and a fly route. Um, so uh-huh. it's nice to see MVS get involved in some slants, some deep posts. Um, and then he should have also gotten a pass interference call on this game. Um, it, it drove me nuts that that the same penalty basically was called against the Packers in the Bears game. And then, you know, the contact is early in this one. The, the DB is not looking at the ball. You know, the timing didn't bother me as much as the, the, the defensive back not looking at the ball. Because that's where that's where I don't care about contact. If a, a defensive back is going to make a play to try to make an interception or a pass defense, that's where the contact doesn't bother me as much. But when you're not looking at the ball and you're just making a play on the receiver, that's where you're interfering with a pass catcher. So that, to me, should have been pass interference. But, I mean, if you watch the refs this year, they're not consistent in any football game. Absolutely not. <laughs> I've seen some some replays of of Monday and Tuesday's games, and it's not Bro, good. <clears throat> there was a play last night in the Seahawks and Rams game. I still have no idea how that was not called the pass interference. The and the and Seahawks, six. yeah, the Seahawks <clears throat> running back actually got flagged because he started swearing and kicking the ball, and he was reacting because he was like, "How the hell is this not a flag?" And I agree with it. It yeah. should have been a flag. So you know, if you didn't see that play, basically. Um, a linebacker was guarding DJ Dallas from Seattle who had his hands out like this and the linebacker came and chopped his hands down a good, like two counts before the ball got there. Um, that's, <laughs> that's just a uh, textbook pass interference. Honestly, um, I see James in here is making jokes. Rule number one, pass interference shall not be called against the Rams. Even if it's blatant. Yeah, that was, that was bad. Honestly. Um, that was, that was and really bad. the Rams, as far as the playoffs are concerned, I, they don't scare me. They don't. Um, I Jake was talking about it today. <laughs> Jake was talking about it today, and he and he sent me a meme, and it was, you know, you either have to go to Lambeau or you have to host the Green Bay Packers. That's that was that's a Rogers scary. quote. That was a Rogers quote, baby. That's that's scary. Um, so that's you know the offense. It's 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 humming. You know, it's not blowing the doors off of a whole lot, but, you know, it's also not making mistakes. Um, yep. Rodgers has gone now four consecutive games without a turnover, so that's – he's up to 30 touchdowns and four interceptions. So Aaron Rodgers is doing his thing, and obviously Jake mentioned the MVP odds. So um, that's – you know, it's showing in his, you know, outside the league, you know, accolade-wise. His, perf- his performance is getting recognized. Is I think the word right. you're trying to look for. Sure, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, I already mentioned Tyler Davis making the nice catch on second and seven, and then I want to say Aaron Jones looks healthy. That's one of the reasons I wanted to include him, is because Aaron Jones looks healthy. He's making nice, strong cuts. He's making his jump cuts. Uh, Aaron Jones looks like he's back to being the lead back. So I think that's going to be um, the way that they operate now going forward. It's going to be Back to AJ Dillon being one B instead of one A. Um, yeah, James, I'm not salty about it either. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not salty about last year at all. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Speaking of pass interference, but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
All right, let's talk about the defense. Um, I believe somebody wanted to say something about Kenny Clark. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, so Kenny Clark was, like, obviously missed. We saw that in the middle run game. I mean, there was huge, gigantic holes. Um, It looked like (sighs) this is how I felt. I don't know how everybody else felt, but to me, when Gary and Smith kept going inside, it kind of felt like they were trying to make up for, you know, Kenny Clark missing on the inside so they didn't get beat up the middle all day. That's how, at least how I felt. Yeah, uh, they, I mean, that's I how I felt. That. Honestly, I that's can see I that. I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, even even Aikman called like called it out that guys are constantly trying to go inside the tackles. I have that in my notes. Guys are just constantly going inside the tackles. And mm-hmm. it made for Huntley to be able to run up the sideline for six yards anytime he wanted. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he scored two touchdowns that way, too. Right. That's my point, Isaac. I mean, <clears throat> they didn't contain because I think they were worried about the, the inside runs, you know, the you know the zones and stuff. I mean, Kenny Clark should be back this week, at least from what I saw. Uh, he's on track. But, you know, if Kenny comes back, that'll that'll fix some of those little mistakes. Plus, I'm not really worried about Baker running all over us. I'll be completely honest. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, but when we were talking about this, there's two guys I wanted to give credit to in the Ravens that I felt really, really balled out. Uh, one is Tyler Huntley. Um, I'm just going to say this. He is a better thrower than Lamar Jackson. That's how I feel. Yeah, Lamar I Jackson I agree. is way more electric with his feet. I'm not even going to compare them. But Huntley oh, yeah. is mobile enough where he can run and get rushing yards whenever he wants, Huntley right? Huntley made some really, really, really nice throws in that game. I'm he did, he I did. I give him credit. It's not even a situation where you want to downplay your competition, but Huntley made some really nice throws. Um, And then Mark Andrews, man. I mean, he might be the third yeah, best tight end. I mean, everybody throws Waller in that three spot, but Mark Andrews has been really, really consistent. Waller's I don't know time too, which is giving Mark Andrews the time to shine a little bit. So, right. Um, if you if you wanted to put him above Waller's, I wouldn't disagree. But for me personally, I'd still have Waller up there just because when Lamar Jackson is back, you might see a little bit of a reduction. That's not a lot. One of those, a little. That's one of those arguments that you were talking about before. Or, I mean. Mar- Mark Andrews versus Darren Waller. That's a question. You can just that for our conclusion, really. That's just how mm-hmm. I feel. Um, I don't think there's a wrong. I'm gonna wait. There. I'm gonna wait for my two questions because they pertain to the Packers defense versus the Ra- versus the Ravens offense. So I'm gonna let you go first, and then I got my questions. <clears throat> so I think um, I want to see. This is something that is. It might just be me personally. I don't know if you agree. I don't know if people in the comments will agree. How do you feel, this is what I want to see, is Joe Barry be more aggressive in the first half? Uh, The Packers have had some really great second halves this season, but it seems like in the first half they're kind of just trying stuff, see how it works, and then, you know, they'll make their adjustments at halftime. I'd like to see Joe Barry try to make some aggressive adjustments in the first and second quarter. Um, You know, one of the things Isaac's already saying in the comments that Darnell Savage was struggling on Mark Andrews, and he was. The size was just too much for Darnell Savage to overcome. Um, they had Stokes on him a little bit later in the game. Um, the combination of Savage kind of being in the zone and then Stokes being right on Mark Andrews right at the pylon got the last incompletion on the two-point conversion. 
But, um, you know, I just wanted to see them mix it up a little bit. You know, throw different looks at Mark Andrews early in the game instead of just Savage, 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 Savage. Um, our buddy Cody was asking for Adrian Amos on him. And I personally, I wanted to see Devondre Campbell get a chance to guard him. Or even Chris Barnes, who we didn't even mention at all so far, who's still improving. I mean, he's he made some really nice tackles in this game. He made a couple tackles for loss in this game that were really useful. Um Preston Smith was pretty quiet in this game after we talked about all the quarterback pressures that he's had in the last four games. But, um, yeah, you know, maybe this week Preston can get back to his pass rushing ways. Um, <clears throat> but they just they just need to figure out the quarterback contain. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue, like Jake said, with Baker Mayfield versus Tyler Huntley and Justin Fields. Um, so, you know, it's not a, another situation where they're dealing with another mobile quarterback and throughout the NFC, there's not a ton of that outside of Kyler Murray that's going to be in the playoffs. So <clears throat> I want to give credit to Eric Stokes, who made some really, really nice tackles in the fourth quarter, um, just not allowing guys to break tackles and, and get big gains, big chunks. Um, I see I see your dad doesn't agree with me wanting Joe Barry to be aggressive in the first half. I don't have a problem with the adjustments at halftime. I just, when you see something's not working, make an adjustment. Like the Darnell Savage thing, I think it went on two or three plays, big plays too long. Well, that's actually one of my questions, uh, is I saw that King and Savage were really the primary defenders on Andrews. And I was wondering, you know, you were kind of already, you were just answering it. I wanted to know who... Who would you put on him? What kind of coverages would you change to? Like, my thought was maybe you bracket cover him. I mean, Hollywood Brown wasn't wasn't going deep anyways, right? It was four yards, four yards, four yards. You can let Stokes live with that over there, right? I trust yep. Stokes with that. Especially Just tell him not his, to get beat deep. tackling well. Right. Yeah. With, with, with Andrews, I would have bracket covered him. I would have had the linebacker underneath, and I would have had a safety over the top, and I would have just kind of – soft double teamed him and made him beat two people. But when he ran across the field the one time um, on Savage, I was just kind of like, how are you just allowing that, dude? Like, And then he, he yep. bullied Kevin King a couple times, and I'm like, we're not stopping this guy today, you know? And then you allow Huntley to, you know, roll out and create extra time. I mean, it gets tough on a DB, man. You can't cover for eight seconds. I mean, every play, that's yep. tough. So maybe so blitzing the guy more. Who's, yeah, I mean, that's that's a different option too. I mean, for me, that's why I thought maybe throw one of your linebackers on him. I mean, I trust I, I trust Devondre Campbell. I think he's earned that at this point to be trusted with any job on the defense. Um, even if it's just a play or two. Just, I, I would think, this is my preference, I would, I would want the Packers to mix it up. Don't let him see the same guy over and over. Because that's just, you know... The next play, he's going to say, hey, he bit when I made this move. Or, you know, I know that I'm stronger than him if I, you know, make this move. Give him a different look and not just get him used to being allowing, you know, just used to being against one player. Um, so I would I would have liked to see different guys get looks almost every single play just to not let him get comfortable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think my dad's replying to Isaac's kind I'm so Isaac. neck injury. Yeah, now that we're actually, talking about the defense, really, really Isaac's scary. talking about right. Alan Lazard, who plays for the offense. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. I mean, the comments are just, they're, they're doing their own thing over there. Isaac is just, just making anymore. anarchy in the comment section. 
<laughs> I mean, do you want me to uh, ask my next question? I got two more questions for you. All right, my last thing about the the Ravens offense is I I hope Harbaugh has learned to take points when he can get them, especially when you have a backup quarterback. Okay, well, you're already answering my question. So the Packers only had one first down <laughs> on their last two drives, right? They had one first down. And coupled with those that one first down, the Ravens had back-to-back touchdowns. You're at home. You have momentum. You're stopping Aaron Rodgers. Do you think it was the right decision to go for two, especially after they went for two the week before with the Lamar and they missed that one too. You know, you're in the middle of a playoff race. Is that the right decision there? Nope. I strongly think it's the wrong decision. Um, at that point, like you said, you're playing at home. Like, Take the points. Make the tie. Make you know, Put the pressure on the other team. Because if you don't get that, mm-hmm. then the game's over. Right, but if you if you just kick your field goal, you tie the game. There's 40 seconds and one timeout left for the Packers. Not saying that they couldn't go get a touchdown, but like you just said, two first or one first down in the last two drives. Like I don't know how you don't trust that your defense has been doing well, even though Rodgers is spreading the ball around. And the Ravens <clears throat> so after I, that after that miss are two for eight on two point conversions this year. That's terrible. That's one of the worst in the NFL. Two for eight. Only only situation I could see that being, you know, what you would do is if your kicker's hurt. And Baltimore has the best kicker in the league. Yeah, yeah undeniably the best kicker in the league. Yeah, probably one of the best in history, honestly. Yeah, he, <clears throat> I mean, when you're making 66-yard game-winning field goals, I mean, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, so, yeah, I'd take the points. So the Packers came out of this game, right? They're eleven and three. You know, you know. You fast forward to the future. You know, present day, right? The Packers have a one game lead on all of the other teams, at least one game lead on all the other teams in the NFC, right? So you're eleven and three. What I want to know is, who do you have as the Packers' biggest threat? You know, this comes with the news of all the players in the Buccaneers getting hurt. I'm not really scared of the Rams. We've already beat the Cardinals. Who is the biggest threat to the Packers? Honestly, it's probably still the Buccaneers. Um, I do feel that their wide receivers are definitely banged up now. Um, Bruce Arians was kind of hyping up Antonio Brown, saying that he's as good as he was before his ankle injury. So, you know, they're losing Chris Godwin, but they're basically gaining back Antonio Brown. Not a complete wash, but, I mean, you're just exchanging one, basically. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Chris Godwin is a problem because he's a possession receiver. He's a slot receiver. Uh, Isaac's getting ahead of me. He's talking about Levante David, one of their great linebackers. But they still have uh, Shaq Barrett, Devin White. I mean, they still have playmakers all over their defense and their front seven, at least. Um, their secondary doesn't concern me. Um, their offense is still good, and it's still Tom Brady. So... Um, you know, Matthew Stafford in the playoffs doesn't scare me. The Rams look very beatable. Uh, the Cardinals are losing guys. I mean, they might get a couple guys back for the playoffs, but you know, their inexperience doesn't concern me. And now they're going to be rusty coming into the playoffs if they're even available. Uh, with JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, if those guys are even available, are going to be rusty. Um, and then 
I mean, I don't think you're going to have the the defensive lapses that you would have that the Packers had last year, but it's in my eyes, it's probably still the Buccaneers. So when I was thinking about this, and I, you know, I started thinking about this last when I heard the news of Levante David, and I'm like, man, that guy, that guy's good, man. He he can cover, he can tackle, he he washes all that junk up up front. Like I, I talk about with with Devondre Campbell, Levante David does that, but at an elite level for many years, right? Yep. So they lose him. I mean, they still have uh, you talk, talked about it. I mean, they have Vita Vea up front. That guy controls everything on the line of scrimmage, right? He's a beast. That guy, he is a tank, right? That is a cannonball oh, if I've ever seen one. He's a beast. <laughs> so you talk about their their corners. I mean, we're still hearing that maybe Richard Sherman is coming back for them. Um, running backs, I mean. Either. That's, that's, Richard Sherman this year concerns me about just as Tremont Williams would have concerned the Buccaneers. Like. Yeah, right, right. So the difference this year is the Packers defense, you know, like I said last week, I'm going to start sounding redundant because I'm going to have to say this a lot, I think. Um the Packers defense this year, I expect them to get stops. I don't hope for them to get stops. And yeah, on top of that, the defense to get stops. Right, they get turnovers, and the Packers oh, don't turn the ball over. Oh, you're getting over. ahead of me. Oh, you're getting ahead of me. They they don't turn the ball over. Rodgers never turns the ball over. That's never been his mo. I mean, Aaron Jones. I mean, last year he did, but he really is really trustworthy. I mean, we were worried for a couple weeks there during this year with AJ Dillon because he had a couple fumbles. Yep. But he seems to have cleaned that up at this point. Yep. I mean, really, I just I trust the Packers more this year. I see Rodgers, and he just looks so unbelievably locked in. Every throw he makes is on target. It is right where it needs Except to be. Two. But yes, <laughs> I mean, he's I mean he's not perfect, but he's pretty damn close. He had that he had that throw to MVS, and I'm t- telling you, man, that's that's the type of throws I see from Rodgers, and I'm like. How does anybody think Brady's better at quarterback than this exactly. guy? Exactly. I was just going to say that. Like, nobody else does that. I just – well, the thing that the Packers have to do that the Saints do is they pressure Brady. The Packers uh, – I mean, I was just looking this up, and I was going to wait to bring this out because I wrote this down last week. But I was looking at blitz percentages, right? And the Packers are one of the lowest teams in the league at blitz percentages, while the Buccaneers are one of the highest. The Buccaneers, because they have to compensate for that bad, their bad defensive mm-hmm. backfield, they're like, yep. we got to bring pressure, we got to force it, we got to make them predictable, right? And that's also how they stop the run so well. They bring extra bodies. It makes sense. The Packers, they play a lot of soft zone. Let's be honest, and they rely on the outside linebacker talent of Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary Rashawn to Gary. collapse the pot. Okay, you know, Z, if he comes back. He will help us, you know, without yep, blitzing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. But the Packers are going to have to blitz Tom Brady. They're going to have to, like, force him to get rid of the ball. Losing, before he wants you it. know, Fournette is going to be huge if yeah, he's not able to play true. that I, game. I didn't even mention that. Because he is a monster. And Le'Veon Bell is nowhere near the guy he used to nope. be. Nope. I mean, he was just talking about boxing matches, you know, boxing yep. Big Paul, and now he gets signed to play football. Football. Like his mind's not even totally on football, in my opinion. So, nope. uh, you just got to blitz Brady and Rodgers. Just is we just hope that we have a Rodgers game. That's how I feel. So, you know, in addition to everything you just said about the defense, is we haven't even factored in adding in two potentially great players at their positions. Zadarius Smith is a great pass rusher, and Jair Alexander is top two, not two in the league at cornerback. 
So you're adding that into we already we talked about this last week. We talked about potentially lining up the the Buccaneers three really good wide receivers against our three really good cornerbacks potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The emergence of Eric Stokes makes a big difference. <clears throat> so you know, looking at Eric Stokes as our second best wide receiver and Rasul Douglas or our second best cornerback and Rasul Douglas is our third best cornerback. You know, the only matchup that I'm super concerned about is who you put on Gronkowski. And, you know, that's where maybe you factor in the pass rush that you get to Brady before he can even find Gronkowski. Uh-huh. Because he's going you know, to be that short option. Yeah. And so if you can get, you know, pressure, even if Brady's looking for Gronk early, that's where maybe we can have a Dean Lowry game where he gets a couple passes to fence just by getting his hands up. Hey, Brady's feeling pressure. He did that. He's trying to get rid of the ball quickly. And, yeah, Lowry and Kiki, if they can knock balls down at the line – they could make things hard for Brady. They just, they just need to, they just need to game plan it well. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, there's there's things that everybody in the NFC does well, but um, nothing that I don't think the Packers can't overcome. So it's funny that Isaac brings up Terrell Owens playing with Brady because, you know, I don't know if you saw, but Terrell and uh, Devontae Adams were just talking on Instagram the other day. Uh, Terrell was talking about somebody pick me up or whatever, and uh, <clears throat> Devontae Adams decided to comment on there and said, "Pull up, OG man. If we got Terrell Owens, that would be lit. I don't know how good he'd be, but that would be fucking sweet, in my opinion." <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice I have a question Terrell. for you. Okay, right, let's do I have this. a question for you. Mm-hmm. My question is: Are you worried about the defense after giving up thirty points two weeks in a row? No, not one bit. Um. My opinion, I mean, the, the the Bears game. Let's be honest. That was that was mainly on the special teams. I'll be completely honest. We shut them down yeah, once we stop giving them the ball at the fifty yard line. You're gonna score a ton of points line. when you start at, at midfield. Um, I mean, and they even scored a ninety seven yard punt return. That was crazy. Uh, we yeah, gave them yeah. twenty seven in the first half. They scored three in the second half. So you know, to your point about adjustments, they made their adjustments. At halftime, and yep. the adjustments obviously worked. Against the Ravens, I think it was just <clears throat> players making plays, playmakers making plays. Uh, Harbaugh is a great coach. Uh, people are questioning him right now because of the two-point conversions, the fourth downs. I think he's just being a little bit over-aggressive, in my opinion. The Ravens are a good team. They're a little, they're, they were the most banged-up team coming into the season, if you remember that. But I'm not worried. I think... Huntley just played a really good game, and Mark Andrews is just a really good player. They did a better job of getting the ball in their playmakers' hands than we did getting in Devontae, but we have a ton of playmakers flutter all over this this offense. So I'm not worried. This Browns game is going to put confidence right back into everybody on the defense because the Browns' offense is terrible. It's hard to watch, <laughs> even with Baker at, at quarterback. <clears throat> all right, so – I agree. I, my answer to that question is no. Um, I'm not concerned about the defense for a couple of reasons. One, we already mentioned the the absence of Kenny Clark, who's just the mm-hmm. man in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I wanted to mention is turnovers. So, Jake, you kind of already touched on a little bit of talking about turnovers. But looking back at the last six games, <clears throat> so going back from this game, they created zero turnovers. They had the couple fourth down stops, but... I'm talking touchdowns, or uh, touchdowns. Yeah, Rasul Douglas scored two-something in touchdowns. 
uh, interceptions and fumbles. Last week versus Chicago, three turnovers. The week before versus the Rams, three turnovers. Against the Minnesota Vikings, zero. They lost that game. The week before versus Seattle, they had two turnovers. They won that game 17-0. The week before that, they had zero against Kansas City. That was the Jordan Love game. But they only allowed 13 points and 237 total yards. And then going to the week before that, three turnovers against Arizona. So I'm not terribly concerned about the defense either. I just want to see them getting back into the turnover column because when you give Aaron Rodgers a short field, that's if Rasul Douglas doesn't take it back to the house when he makes an interception. (laughs) But you give the ball to Aaron Rodgers at the 30-yard line, they're taking a shot at the end zone on first down just to see if they can score on you that fast. Man. So I'm not concerned either. So, All right, you said you had a couple of questions related to recap of the Ravens games have we have we covered them or do you still want to ask some questions yeah you you were the problem was you were answering them as you were talking and doing your recap I was like stop talking about covering Mark Andrews stop talking about the two-point conversion so really my last one was just the, the biggest threat in the NFC and I agree it's, it's definitely the Buccaneers all right so I have one more question that's related to um, the recap portion is, do you think Rodgers missed Alan Lazard on purpose? No. In the back of the end he zone even ta- to not get touched on 423? No, he he even talked about it <laughs> at the postgame interview. He said, I just missed Alan there to put the game away. I mean, he threw the game, the or the tying one, not the game tying, the tying one to MVS. I mean, my dad yeah. was calling for Devontae as well. He was like, this ball's going to Devontae. I don't care. So, I mean... The first touchdown of the game on Christmas might be Devontae. So, we'll, we'll see. see. Man, right. think about it. Lambeau Field. Stop. Right? Stop. Christmas Stop. Day. Oh, save okay. it. Okay. Save it for the preview. Okay. 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 Save okay. it for the preview. That's my last question. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 So, we'll move into – let's move into preview. All right. Let's talk about the Packers okay. offense versus the Browns defense. Uh, Browns defense, uh, in my opinion, is a little bit – Underrated. They played very, very well this year. Uh, I mean, they got. I mean, Denzel Ward's making plays over there. Uh, they got a rookie I was just from say, Denzel Ward is a guy that I wanted on the Packers a couple years ago. Yeah, he's a monster. Uh, um, I mean, he's showing his potential this year. I mean, Miles Garrett. We all know what that guy is. That guy's a freak of nature. I mean, Jadavian Clowney's DPOY. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, Jadavian Clowney's getting a ton of pressures. I mean, they got. Say the Notre Dame linebacker's name. <laughs> I can't say. Oh, uh, is it uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa? Yes, that guy. He's making plays. He's running all the field. I really wish the Packers would have picked him, to be completely honest. And then they got a rookie from Northwestern as well, uh, Greg Newsom Jr. He's making plays. Um, he might not he's play in this game. Injury but list. Yeah. He is. That. He is. Uh, but he's been balling for them, man. I've watched. Just a couple Browns games, and he's been making a ton of plays for them. So the Browns are a little underrated, in my opinion, on defense. They could be considered top ten if you really make a list. Um, but the Packers' offense, you know, like you said, it's humming. Um, I think we're, you know, I think the Packers' offense. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think we're kind of, you know, making progress where they're just going to explode one of these games, and they're just going to have forty some points, and everybody's going to be like. 
oh shit i mean people are already like kind of scared of the <laughs> packers man but i think people are really gonna like see aaron Rodgers go crazy think about it man now, I now i'm gonna do it now i'm gonna do it lambeau field <laughs> christmas day rogers breaks the record dude this is all the makings of aaron Rodgers is going freaking nuts on national television and just putting everybody on notice like listen i'm here right now okay we are here right now the defense is going to make plays i think christmas day is going to be good day man i think if you're talking about the teams being scared of the packers i mean you only have to say one sentence Rodgers has a defense and that should vary yeah <clears throat> i just go with this so i want to throw a, a bonus a couple of bonus questions in there first um tim was asking if the cowboys are a threat in the nfc if you agree with that that's my answer <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now, my other bonus question is: If Packers win the toss, do you think they should receive just to go and score right away? So uh, it's always tough, man, because I'm always one of those people. Like, all right, just in case anything happens, I want to get the ball at half. Right? I always right. think I that agree. that way. But when you're going against a team like the Browns, who are a bad offense, I mean, they might get Baker and Kevin's. Fancy back this week, which would help. They get their coach and their quarterback back. When you're going against a bad offense like that, why not put them down 7 0? See if you can force them into a bad decision, get the ball back right away, and we can kind of you know, put our foot on the throat. Right away like, with the record? Yeah. I mean, in, in a game against a bad offense, I would say yes. I mean, Christmas Day, everybody's going to be pumped up. I am probably going to puke at the amount of people I'm going to see wearing a Santa outfit that day, but I would say yes. I would say yes. All right. I, I agree with you. I do like getting the ball at halftime just because you can, you know, if you're in a bad situation, you can steal the momentum back. And <clears throat> I actually called it last week. The Packers were going to score right before halftime, and then they get the ball back at ha- uh, second half. Um, and they did that against the Bears. So um, I'm just here to toot my own horn and tell people when I'm right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tim, talking about the Cowboys, they, they're a good team, but they – they don't scare me come playoff time. Um, Mike McCarthy especially doesn't really scare me come playoff time. Uh, I also think their defense is a little overrated just because of two of the players that they have. Uh, Micah Parsons is a beast. And Trayvon Diggs, he he has high interception numbers, but that's really all he's got. Um, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be a pro bowler this year because he has a lot of interceptions, but he gives up tons of yards and a high completion percentage. So going against Aaron Rodgers, Trayvon Diggs doesn't scare me because Rodgers doesn't throw interceptions, which getting back to the Packers offense versus the Browns defense, that's one of my points. Rodgers has gone four consecutive games without a turnover and now has 30 touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. People are all like, oh, look at Kirk Cousins. He has 25 touchdowns, only five interceptions. And now Rodgers is just like, yeah, no, that's touchdown to interception ratio is my thing and nobody's even remotely close when it comes to touchdown interception ratio with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you saw the stat of the week last week, but mine was Aaron Rodgers touchdown to interception ratio was over eight since the beginning of last season. And the next closest is Patrick Mahomes, who was at like 3.6. So Rodgers is on double the level of everybody else in the league and Nobody touches his touchdown to interception ratio. So stop bringing up Kirk Cousins because the Vikings are also just as irrelevant. 
I'm going to answer Tim's question real quick. Um, Tim, you have to keep in mind the division they play in. So that defense is definitely going to be a little bit overrated. <clears throat> they do have playmakers, and Micah Parsons is absolutely everything that you can think of as an NFL linebacker. But I just uh, Dak turns the ball over a little bit. Mike McCarthy will call some dumb plays, and I just I don't trust their DBs. They don't have anybody stopping Tay, and, and their run defense. I don't know. It's it's all right, but it's not special. In my it's opinion, it's one guy. Yeah. All right. So if they start clicking, it's going to be a problem. I hope they get the one seed. If we don't, Rodgers owns that stadium too. (laughs) Go ahead. Get the one seed. Let Rodgers go down there back home. (laughs) All right. So back to the Packers offense. Um, Bakhtiari didn't practice today. He practiced yesterday. He's already been ruled out. But um, looking at David Bakhtiari, um, LaFleur was asked about him a whole bunch of times. He said they're only taking it one day at a time, so you're not going to get any – um, concrete answers out of him. Um, MVS mm-hmm. is currently on the COVID list. I don't know if he's vaccinated or not, so I don't know if his negative tests are going to be back soon enough. Um, EQ did practice limited with his concussion, so um, if MVS is out because of COVID, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe EQ can step up this week, and you know maybe Lazard can have a game like he did against Chicago. Um, <clears throat> Before that was the case, I wanted to say the Packers had their receiving core the healthiest that it's been because MVS and Lazard both looked 100% um, in the last two weeks. But um, mm-hmm. now with the COVID list, you know, Cobb and Tunyon are still out. But um, I don't know. Rodgers' next touchdown will break Brett Favre's franchise record. Um, I don't know if Brett Favre's going to be there. It'd be kind of cool if he was. But who do you think touchdown number 423 is going to? Devontae Adams. Not even hesitation. It is if it's in the red zone, it is going to Devontae. A hundred percent. Especially if MVS is out. I mean, if it's not Devontae, I want it to go to Big Dog. Those are the two people I'm gonna be cheering for to get yes. that that record breaker. Yep. That's who I have written down. I have number seventeen, because that's Devontae, that's his man. Um so <laughs> it's it's Devontae. It's going to Devontae. But I would love to see Big Dog score, just because everybody respects him so much, and he oh he deserves one. He just deserves one. Um, he does, man. Cody said Aaron Jones. I just oh I want dude. He was like three yards away last week. Big Dog was so I close, know. so know, close. Man. I'm just like break the tackle, get in the end. <laughs> um, Rogers gonna throw the ball to himself. That would be Dude, funny. That would just take my whole public service announcement at the beginning of the show and just throw it right out the window. Like, I hear Rodgers so much, he wouldn't even throw it to somebody else. He had to throw the touchdown to himself because he's so into it. Yeah, yeah he's like, so arrogant and self-centered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be like that uh, the play in the replacements where uh, Keanu Reeves just throws the ball right at the, the defensive lineman helmet and it just bounces up in the air. And then Rodgers is just going <laughs> to catch it. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, By the way, I do think that MBS is vaccinated. Since we we're okay. talking about it before, if he if he is, um, he right. will have the the potential to play if he tests negative and he's asymptomatic. So that's the thing is, if he has any symptoms, then he's yeah, not playing. Um, so if he tests negative twice and doesn't have any symptoms, then he can play. But uh, the window is really short here because they play on Saturday, not Sunday. So the window is even yeah. a day short now. 
Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't play, he doesn't play. Next man up, right? Yep, that's what the Packers have been doing all, all season. So um, I'm excited to see Aaron Jones this week. I want to see him get some more work. You know, Jake already mentioned he'd like to see, you know, a, a 110 rushing yard game from Aaron Jones. So my last point is I want to see – I want to see balance from the offense this week. Um, Rodgers did a really great job of spreading the ball around against Baltimore. Uh, and he talked in his um, his press conference yesterday, um, talked a lot about um, the the sleight of hand play that they use, that, that play action play. And uh, the coaches have kind of fallen in love with it, just like everybody else has because, you know, who else does that? But um, mm-hmm. so they, you know, they have that one saved up, ready to go, and it's just about trusting the linemen. But um, the bear, the Bears. I almost said the Bears. That's the wrong B team. The Browns <laughs> allow 216 passing yards and 105 rushing yards per game. <clears throat> um, yeah, Rogers seemed baffled by Aaron Jones just because they were up by 14 points when the Ravens were considering an onside kick. Um, but we saw what happened the week before. Amari Rogers and MVS both fumbled returns. So in that situation, I'm fine with it. Aaron Jones got the the return and he slid down. So I'm totally fine with doing nope. that. Devontae Adams was out there on it too. So um in that situation where it's ball security, you trust your best players, and I would rather have them out there than to um have a Brandon Bostic situation happen. Yeah, tell me about it. <clears throat> So Cleveland did lose their other defensive end opposite Miles Garrett, so that's gonna be that's gonna be a problem for them. Um, you know, Jadavion Clowney's probably gonna end up on the other side, so you are still gonna have a guy on each side, but um, I think you're gonna see a handful of things. You're gonna see tight ends and running backs staying in to block. Uh, you're gonna see like chip blocks, so it's just gonna be you know AJ Dillon throwing a shoulder into Miles Garrett and then running out on a route. Um, you can see the same thing with Josiah DeGuara. And then I think you're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion and a good amount of play action just to keep the defense off balance. Uh, that is the last thing I have to say about the Packers offense. So what we're going to see is uh, what we've been getting the last couple of weeks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to drop back. He's going to throw the ball to eight different receivers, nine different receivers, and, and they're going to catch the ball and we're going to score points. That's what I think. Uh Rodgers is on fire, like I've said how many times. Riveting storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty basic and pretty straightforward. Devontae Adams is your playmaker. Aaron Rodgers is on fire, and we still got backup linemen in, so we can't really trust you know them to run the ball that well. The Browns are actually ninth against the run this year, so they, they give up 105.6 yards, so that's top 10. So they're pretty good against that. Solid. But you, you don't stop Aaron Rodgers. You just hope to contain him. He's one of those players. So Aaron Rodgers is going to have a great game this week, I think. I I just feel it. All right. Let's talk about the Packers defense. Um, So looking at it, um, no Zadarius, no Jair. Again, LaFleur was very cryptic about it. Um, They're probably going to be back. Um, LaFleur wouldn't comment on it. He says they're taking it one day at a time. Um, I think Jair has until the end of next week to be put on the active roster since he was designated to return. Um, and this is what we said. We talked about this when we were talking about it already a few weeks ago. 
if the Packers are winning, they're going to be overly cautious. They're going to take their time with these guys. Yes, you want to have the, the rust off before the, the playoffs, but you also don't want to rush guys back. The Ravens are doing the same thing with Lamar Jackson. And the AFC is a way bigger mess than the NFC is, especially for the Packers, who are at 11-3, and three, have the, yeah. um, the tiebreaker over the Cardinals and have a much better conference record than the Buccaneers. So the Packers basically have a two-game lead, even though they're only one game ahead in the win column. So, you know, the NFC is a little bit easier for the Packers than the AFC is for the, the Ravens, and they're still being cautious with Lamar. So the Packers are definitely going to be cautious with Zadarius, Bakhtiari, and Jair as long as they're winning games. Mm-hmm. And I would expect that can, to continue. So um, what do you want to say about the Packers defense versus the Browns offense? So uh, I don't think Kareem Hunt is going to play this week. He didn't play last week. He didn't play against the Raiders. But obviously Nick Chubb <clears throat> is, you know, when healthy, Nick Chubb is a top five back in this league. And he's a guy five, that yeah, can I agree. He can really – you can just hand him the ball, you know, 20 times a game, and he can churn out 200 yards. He's really one of those guys. He's a big, strong, fast guy. He gets you a couple touchdowns. He's a monster. Uh, with that being said, um, Baker Mayfield, um, I was looking it up. He is on the COVID, you know, health and safety protocols. But he is on track to return Saturday versus the Packers. Same thing with Kevin Stefanski, like I said earlier. That will really, really help this offense. But – Baker has not been good this year, and I know that he's been battling a ton of injuries, but I broke it down a little bit, and I looked some stuff up. So, Baker has 2,603 yards, right? That is 24th out of 32 starting quarterbacks. He has 13 touchdowns. That's 26th. Seven interceptions, tied for 25th, and he has a completion percentage of 62.8, which is okay, not horrible, but not very good. So Baker Mayfield Honestly, is a starting quarterback. Honestly, if you're talking but... about strictly this season, I would rather have Taylor Heineke. Strictly this season. Oh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that 100%. But Baker's just not been that good. So you really, I mean, they, and obviously we know we got rid of OBJ. Um, I haven't heard anything on Jarvis Landry. But in Donovan... Donovan Peoples-Jones, a former Michigan wide receiver. He was pretty good in college, if you remember that, Big Ten people. But he's really been their go-to guy. They got Austin Hooper at tight end, who can be a pretty good tight end. But this Browns team should really just be going crazy. But they're really only good at rushing the ball. They average 139 yards per game, and they only average 201 pass yards per game. That's pretty god-awful, if you ask me. So when you look at this matchup, you know, you look at the pretty good defense. You look at how they're not that good at passing the ball on offense. You look at how they rely on the run to get yardage. Who does that remind you of? And you almost messed up and said their name before. It reminds me of the Bears, just without the mobile quarterback, in my opinion. I mean, they just hand the ball off, and that's really they rely on the defense, and they run the clock. Um, so you said Stokes on Landry, Campbell on Njoku. I mean, Njoku hasn't even been... A guy. What I'm seeing is Landry will be available. So, so Landry's going to be available. Yeah, and Landry's <clears throat> been Baker's guy. When like yep. before OBJ Baker got and Landry there, Landry was both should be available. So, yeah. Okay. So, with that being said, you just allow Landry to get his couple catches over the middle. He's not really going to beat you deep. He's not a burner anymore. Um, and you just you stop Nick Chubb. 
you know, focus on stopping Nick Chubb, yep. stop the run, yep. and make Baker make plays. This is a situation where I feel the Packers can pretty much keep seven guys in the box for the entire yeah. game. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I trust Stokes, Douglas, Amos, and Savage in whatever coverages they play. Um, Jarvis Landry maybe three years ago would have concerned me, but mm-hmm. this at this point in his career, he's he's really kind of similar to Allen Robinson to to piggyback on Jake's Bears comparison. Um, he's an older receiver who's you know your name is like yeah that guy should be better than he is, but yeah. he's just really not. And yeah. <clears throat> you know at this point like he's pretty much just a possession receiver. Um, you know they had some guys you know Rashard Higgins has shown some some flashes of potential here and there, but. I mean, as as long as they're as they're the Browns with Baker Mayfield, you know, it's not he's not a mobile quarterback, so it's not mm-hmm. something you have to have an issue with, like you did the last two weeks. You know, I stack the box, and Nick Chubb should be the absolute focal point of your defensive game plan. I one hundred percent agree. Just stop Nick Chubb, and like I said, just make Baker beat you. <laughs> Cody, I'm looking up to see if I can see anything on Kenny Clark. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, I can't find anything either. Right here. Tom Silverstein, two hours ago, Packers coach Matt LaFleur said that no staff of Kenny Clark is eligible to play on Saturday. He said there's some protocols he must get through, said he's hoping he gets them through them in time to be back in the facility before Saturday. So, um, sounds right, like cool. Kenny Clark will be back. So. That will be massive so he can uh, dominate another former Packer center, J.C. Treader, uh, who was on the injury list as well. But, yeah, the Packers just churn out NFL centers and just let them go, and then we draft new ones. <laughs> yeah, It's incredible, actually, if you ask me. So the Packers are still allowing 44% conversions on third down. Cleveland only converts 38% of their third downs. So I want to see the Packers play to Cleveland's level and not allow Cleveland to play to the Packers' level. Yeah, that will be a big. I, I, that's <clears throat> that's that's. I'm gonna keep bringing it up every single week for ever and ever and ever until we retire from the show. The Packers are always gonna need to be better on third down. <laughs> so he's gonna bring it up forever because we never retire from the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, yeah. I mean, we said it already. We can't say it any other different ways. Nick Chubb is the focal point of the defensive game play. Yep. Just like my linebackers focus on the, the Bears. Yep, 100%. There you go. All right, man. All right, so, are you re- are you ready for some questions, dude? Because I got some good ones with this one, man. I'm interested. Right, I got two things I want to say. Two okay, things okay. I want to say. Don't take this game super lightly. We know we're going to talk about this, and I have a feeling we're probably both going to predict double-digit wins for the Packers. Uh, Cleveland is one of four 7-7 seven and seven teams in the AFC, so they still have stuff to play for. Um. And on the flip side of it, the Packers are going for their second division sweep in 2021. They already swept the NFC West. Now they're looking to sweep the AFC North. So the Cleveland Browns are the last team standing in the way. Now, now that I've said that, now Jake can fire up the rest of his questions. I'm going to piggyback off that real quick. Because I remember coming into the season and people were like, Oh, you know, last year they're like, "Oh, you the Packers had a cakewalk schedule, you know? Dude, they they oh didn't play God. nobody." That argument was so annoying. We even had Nick gonna... make a strength of schedule blanket meme that was funny as hell. 
Oh, they're going to play the AFC North and the NFC West next year, and they're going to get their butts kicked. Oh, yeah, and then we're just going to sweep them both. So, what do you got to say now? Whoops. Yep. All right. So, I have it written down here. You know, Bakhtiari, Jair, Zedarius, they're not looking like they're going to play this week. If they don't play this week, and let's just predict in the future, they don't play any regular season games, do you think that we will bring them back for the playoffs? Jair, yes. Bakhtiari would depend on Billy Turner and Josh Myers. If you get both of those two back, which it sounds like they will, um, I think Josh Myers is starting to do some individual stuff this week. Um, Mm -hmm. If you potentially get those two back, then I think maybe they wait on Bakhtiari and Zadarius... If he doesn't play in the regular season, if he's not ready to go, like let's say if the Packers get the one seed and they don't have to play until the second week of the playoffs and Zadarius is ready then, uh, I would say yes. But if he's okay. not ready to go by whenever the Packers' first playoff game is, then I would say no. So how I felt about this is if none of them play in the regular season, I think the Packers are really – Player friendly, I think they're just going to shut them down for the year. That's really how I feel. It sucks to say that, but I think that's just really how they they operate. And if you think about it, right? You know, if you're a player, would you rather go to a team that's going to be like, okay, you know, because some, sometimes you have to protect these guys, right? The competitive fire just goes crazy, and you could further injure stuff. Yeah. I'd rather go to a team that's going to protect me from myself and look out for my best interests. You know, so I would look at a team like the Packers. You know, not just because I love them. But because they're going to protect me from myself and, and not allow me to, you know, risk my future for a playoff game. So if they don't play against the Vikings or the Lions, because it doesn't look like they're going to play against the Browns, I would say they get shut down. So my second question, who is the Packers' true number two wide receiver? Is it Lazard? Is it MVS? Is it anybody? Is it Cobb? Who knows? Can I give you a really, really cheap and generic answer and say all the above? You can say whatever the hell you want, man. This is both of our shows. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say yes. Yes. It's yes. Who's <laughs> yes. number two wide receiver? Yes. <laughs> all right. Hey. How I truly <laughs> it's, feel about it's it. It's different every game. It's really, it really is. I mean, if, mm-hmm. it, if it was a healthy season, my answer would be Robert Tunyon. Honestly. Would be my answer. Okay. Um, okay. At times, it's Aaron Jones. At times, it's Lazard. At times, it's MVS. It's been MVS twice this season. It's been Lazard a few times this season. Uh, it's been Mercedes Lewis the last two weeks. It's been Randall Cobb at times. I mean, yes, all the above. Okay. Uh, truly how I feel about it, I <sighs> this is really hard for me to say, actually. That's a tough I think question. That, I, I think Lazard is actually the number two i mean the routes he runs if, if you go the, ta- strictly the targets by the depth yeah if you go strictly by the depth chart and the way they line the game up at the beginning of the game like looking at starters it's lazard but i just feel that guys step up at different times and it seems to always be when they're needed yep i mean Cobb taking control of that slot is huge i mean it really kind of just pushed everybody into their role you know we'll never have a question on us who's the number one receiver because that's pretty obvious so now, That's, this yeah. is the question. 
I was really, really excited to ask you. If you were the Cleveland right. Browns, would you re-sign Baker Mayfield? Only for the right price. And if I'm the Browns and I miss the playoffs, I strongly consider drafting the quarterback from Cincinnati. Oh, you think he'll fall that far? People are talking if, about like you, if, man. if the Browns miss the playoffs and they're sitting at like 12, I've seen this say like a lot of things saying this could be the first year in like 15 years that a quarterback isn't drafted top 10. And I do, I, I like that quarterback from Cincinnati. So I, I mean, if you're the Browns and you miss the playoffs and you're sitting at pick, you know, 12, mm-hmm. I would give it a shot. I mean, I would sign Baker to maybe a one year prove it deal. Uh, if he's interested in that, um, you know, you could be the Browns. We didn't even talk about this during the Ravens game, but this was kind of an audition for Tyler Huntley. He played pretty well in this game. He played pretty well in the game when he came in relief for Lamar. Mm-hmm. If you are, say, Seattle, looking at that and saying, like, hey, there's a mobile quarterback we could roll with. We could trade Russell mm-hmm. Wilson to the Giants for one of their top ten picks that they're going to have because they're going to have, like, three top ten picks this year. Mm-hmm. And and we could bring in Tyler Huntley to have run the offense and, you know, get a top ten pick out of it and whatever else they get. Um, you know, there Russ could be places for – Think he's going to New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe New Orleans takes a look at Tyler Huntley. I mean, there's guys that are available. I mean, Cleveland could take a look at Tyler Huntley and say, you know, we've we've seen him. I don't know if Cleveland and Baltimore play again yet this year. I don't care about the AFC North schedule except for the no, they don't. Playing the Packers. They don't. They played already um, twice. <clears throat> but um, you know, if I'm the Browns, I'm keeping my options open. Uh, Baker Mayfield would be one of the options that I keep open, but. I wouldn't say, you know, Baker Mayfield is 100% the starting quarterback. I think Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think he's going to deal in an absolute and say Baker Mayfield is 100%. Nothing can change my mind. The guy next year. So this is how I looked at it. People forget the Browns were awful. They, they People weren't talking about how bad the Lions were because the Browns were worse, which is actually scary. <laughs> so Baker Mayfield comes in and he kind of changes the attitude, you know. He's he's got a he's got a little swagger about him. He's got a little a little mm-hmm. chip on his shoulder. He comes in, he makes people believe, right? He's one of those people. So I like Baker a little bit, right? Um so I would sign him. I wouldn't sign him to a one-year deal because that could get messy in my opinion. What if he gets hurt and then, you know, yeah. because the, the the price tag for a quarterback is you know, you said the right price. What's the right price? $20 million, $25, 30000000 million for one year? You don't want to waste $30 million, $30 million, even $20 million. I mean, think about it. $20 million is probably a, a pretty close to an average for a quarterback. So you're throwing $20 million at a guy that you don't even really know. I would sign him to a two-year deal. You might get a little bit of a cheaper deal on that. You can get rid of him after one year if you're really, really unsure I was going to say, it. yeah, Still you could make it back load and cut him after the first year, yeah. Right, so... If me, I would sign him to a two-year deal. I would say, Baker, let's go get healthy. Let's go get a couple more playmakers for you, and let's run this baby back. Because that, that, Browns, I mean, that Browns team is pretty loaded with talent, in my opinion. 
They've yeah, they've put some playmakers around him. I mean, they have a good offensive line. They grabbed Austin Hooper. They went and got OBJ. They have Jarvis Landry. I mean, we mentioned a couple guys. They've shown flashes. They have an elite running game. I mean, if if Baker can't succeed with all of that, um, my answer would be to to keep all the options open. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but. No, now here, here's the next level of the question. I just thought of this right now. So you said guys are available, right? And there's going to be moving parts. Russell, hey, even our quarterback could be on the move. We don't know. So if Baker doesn't get re-signed, where does Baker end up? Does that does that have an effect on where Russell ends up? Does that have an effect where Rodgers goes? I think Rodgers is ringing up in my opinion. But um, where, where, what happens? That, that's the madness of this NFL you know, quarterback carousel. How about... How about Baker in Atlanta? Huh. I like Baker in Denver. You need a big arm to play in Denver. You need a big arm to play in Denver. It's windy up there, man. Baker's got a big arm. And they got I mean they got two good running backs. They got a shit ton of playmakers over there, man. I like Baker in Denver. I think he could succeed there, man. I can see that. And I can see that. Russ, Russell's not going to Denver, so everybody needs to stop talking about that. <laughs> neither is neither is Aaron Rodgers. Nobody wants to go to yeah, Denver. No. Rodgers is going to re-up two-year deal after this year, including one year. You know, He's going to be here for three more years. He's going to add two more years to his one year next year. Devontae's going to sign a three-year deal after this year. We're going to front-load the hell out of Devontae, in my opinion, and then we're going to back-load Jair Alexander. That's my predictions. I will say it again. I've thought of yeah. it for a while. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. There's not a single thing that makes me believe that he's not. Um, I think he just likes dude, drama. I mean, <laughs> he probably does. He's probably like, he finishes, he turns out the camera on the Pat McAfee show, and he's like, oh, I can't wait to see what Shepard tweets today. <laughs> well, his tweets can't be worse than his gritty Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that, Isaac showed me that one. I I lost a lot of respect for Adam Schefter this this past off season. <clears throat> nah, Baker's not going to the Jets. They just drafted a quarterback. You can't give up on a guy after one year, man. Come on, that's a little ridiculous. And don't opinion. they even don't they kind of like Mike White too? So I mean, like they kind of like their backup. I mean, uh, he's not he's not going to the Jets. He lost like that one, but. Yeah, they were laughing at him because that was terrible. He that was awful. He's gritty. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Jake, let's do it. Let's get your uh, let's get your weather report, and then let's do score predictions. All right. So, weather report on Sunday is a high of thirty-four, low of twenty-three. Winds north at five to ten miles per hour, um, and it's going to be. Partially cloudy. It's going to be a pretty mild day. Um, it's going to be a beautiful night at Lambeau because the clouds are going to clear and you're going to see that night sky. And it's just going to be – we're not going to have a white Christmas from what I keep hearing, so no snow, which whatever. I don't really care about that stuff, but my girlfriend's been going crazy about that. She's like, I just want snow on that day. Don't be those people, okay? I don't like the damn snow, okay? We don't need it. It's already freaking cold outside. But anyways, um, it's just going to be a mild day and should be pretty clean football night. 
That's all I got. All right. I am that person. Um, I like having snow like just in the month of December, and then it can go away. Like February is probably like my least favorite. Like uh, Lily's birthday is right at the beginning of February, which is nice. But mm-hmm. and you got Valentine's Day. But February weather wise sucks. It's like my least favorite month weather wise. Like it sucks. Like it's only twenty eight days, but it feels like the longest month of the year. You're a fan of Valentine's Day. Tell me you're not a fan. I don't of mind it. Day. I mean, it's, it's not... a sham. It's a sham. It's a it's a Hallmark holiday, is what it is. No, I did, I despise Valentine's Day because my girlfriend expects me to spend two hundred plus dollars on her that day, and I'm just like, nah. Yeah. I love you all year round, so you're good. You know what you should do? You should get one of those giant teddy bears, take all the stuffing out, put a zipper on the back, and then just wear that every year for Valentine's Day. I have. This is no lie. Literally, <laughs> probably <laughs> 10 feet from me, I have a 6-foot-tall elephant sitting over there that I bought her for Christmas a couple of years ago. It's very close to my height, so if I add a little stitching on there, I could wear that. Tim, no, Jake and I are both basketball guys. So in the wintertime, we were inside playing basketball, not outside ice fishing. I went ice fishing one time in my entire life, and I'm not a big fisherman. It was it was okay, but I'm not a bit I'm not a big outdoors I don't mind guy. In the summertime, like yeah, <clears throat> I don't do hunting either. Like I'm good with camping. Like camping can be fun, and I don't mind you know, like walking in the woods and stuff. But um, yeah, ice fishing. No, you're just literally just going outside to sit and be cold. Like, nah. <laughs> I'd rather be inside and, watching football or playing basketball. And the big thing with ice fishing is guys go out to like you know to drink and stuff like that. And me and you, neither of us are big drinkers, so it's not really not really our thing. One, it's like once in a great while. That's about it. Yeah, same. I I tell people I drink once a year, and then I just get hammered drunk, and I forget who I am, and then I go on with the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know what weekend that is too. Yeah, it's All a good right. weekend. <laughs> that is a good weekend. All right. So, what is your score prediction? Did you give it? I don't remember. We started talking about Hallmark no. holidays and other. <laughs> yeah, we started <laughs> all the way over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, my score yeah, prediction. I thought we were talking about the weather. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my uh, my <laughs> score prediction is thirty-seven to seventeen. All right, that's. Not, I mean, I said we were both going to predict double-digit wins. I predicted thirty-four to twenty. So we will. Right. Have. We are close. Do you have? Anything else that you want to say about Packers for you on the Bucks? Uh, no. I was begging for Jair or Bakhtiari to be a Christmas miracle, but it doesn't look like I'm going to get my miracle this year. Well, we might get one or two with the Bucks, so we got that going for us. Um, True. Last thing I want to say about the Packers is cut Isaac Yadam. Like, just let that be done <sighs> and call the Josh Jackson thing just a wash. And just give Shamar Jean Charles all of Yadam's special teams time. Yep, I'm okay with that too. All right. Well, Jake's going to run through the Bucks games real quick and just kind of give a couple little highlights here and there. And then we're going to yeah. talk a lot more contextual stuff this week. Um, the recaps, honestly, they're not terribly important this week. We're talking they're 32 games into the season. There's 50 left. So uh, we're looking yeah. more at the 50 than the 32. So, here we go. Um, I don't have a lot, but, you know, the bat, the Bucks played the Pacers uh, last Wednesday. We won that game 114-99. to uh, Drew Holiday had 26 points, 4 rebounds, 14 assists. Uh, Pat Connaughton and Bobby both added 20. So, 
obviously getting the same contribution from two of our best players this year so far. Uh, they moved on to play the Pelicans. Uh, they lost that game 112 to 116 in overtime. That sucked because Drew Holiday had a really, really great game. He had 40 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, Jordan Awara, 14 points, 13 rebounds. And Grayson Allen added 25. Uh, everybody's starting to call Jordan Awara uh, Drew Holiday's favorite player because he talks about him all the time. So I, I love listening to that. It's pretty funny to me. Um, played the Cavs. We got absolutely pounded in that game. Um, we lost that game 119-90. to we had no Giannis, no Chris Middleton, no Drew Holiday, and still no Brooke Lopez. So seeing that game, and actually the Cavaliers are playing very, very good basketball this year. So it's, when I look at it, you know, you take things like, into they, perspective. They swapped like, spots with the Knicks. Like one of them went to the Vibes and one of them went to the 10. So they yeah. pretty much swapped spots with the Knicks. I mean, the Cavs right now are actually the three seed in the East, if you look at the, at the seeding. The Cavs are the three seed in the East, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, no Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, no Brook. So we're missing a lot of pieces there. We only had eight players available for this game. So going into this game, you're not really thinking like, wow, we're going to win this game. This just, you know, last year, you know, coming into the season, we talked how we're going to have games where we set our starters and give them rest. I just took this as one of those games, man. Uh, Jordan War had a great game, scored 28 points. Uh, that was really the only highlight I had. We didn't shoot the ball very well in that Cavs game, but... Um, with that being said, we played three games, lost two of them, not really worried. This is that glass half full kind of mindset. They play the Rockets tonight, so we'll see what happens. We got some good stuff with that. Um, I mm. think my biggest takeaway as far as recaps are concerned, um, <clears throat> I think is the Jordan War is getting his confidence back. That might be my biggest yeah. takeaway, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, I've talked about it like three weeks in a row now that Drew Holiday is much better on offense than he was last year, and that's a big yeah. deal. Um, so that's nothing new, although it is nice to see him drop a 40-piece. But, um, you know, we know he's capable of that. So um, I think the biggest thing for me might be uh, Jordan Wara getting his confidence back. Uh, as far as the Cavaliers are concerned, I mean, they're they're playing well. Um, Jared Allen is actually being mentioned in MVP conversations a little bit. Um, you know, he's not anywhere near like where the top five is, but you know, he's, he might be like all NBA second team kind of, you know, area. Um, he's doing a lot of good stuff for Cleveland. That's an underrated piece that they got from the Nets last year. So, um, Mm -hmm. in addition to the way that some of their guards are playing, they got an experienced guy in Ricky Rubio, and then they have a young guy in Darius Garland that are, um, that are playing well. So, um, you know, Cleveland is not a bad team. Um, personally, I think they're, they're not necessarily a threat yet, but, um, you know, they could have a nice regular season. They kind of are like the Knicks from last year. That was actually a really, really good comparison. Kind of came out here for him. (laughs) And the two year old. That's two things. Yeah. (laughs) So Jake gave the recaps. (coughs) I'm going to give the player updates now. So the Bucks are eligible, and now I believe they're, they should be forced to sign somebody with the NBA's hardship exemption. Um, it is if teams are missing two guys for positive tests, they have to sign one player. If they're missing um, three guys, they have to sign two. 
And if they're missing four, then they have to sign three players. Um, I've seen Bismarck Biombo floated floated around. Uh, I've seen Ursan's name floated around. Um, the Celtics just signed Joe Johnson today. Um, the Lakers called up Isaiah Thomas from the G League. So there's names bouncing all over the place. Um, just going to go through. You know, Jake mentioned there were only eight players available against the Cavaliers. So that means Rodney Hood, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, Thanasis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Dante DiVincenzo, and Giannis have all missed games in the last week. Um, oh. Grayson Allen's a really easy one. He was only held out for um, <clears throat> for rest. So Grayson Allen's totally fine. Um, Rodney Hood, he was supposed to start the Pacers game. Uh, he was like a really, really late scratch. And then he ended up playing later in the game, so it just seemed like maybe he had like a knee tweak or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then he played. He's not on the injury report anymore. Um, Bobby Portis was put on the health and safety protocols on the 16th, so he is eligible to come back on the 26th. Uh, the Bucks' next game after that would be Tuesday the 28th at Orlando. Um, Thanasis, not on the injury report today. He's good to go. Chris Middleton has been practicing. He is not on the injury report. He is playing tonight. That is confirmed. He's playing tonight, so Chris Middleton is back tonight. Um, Brooke Lopez is indefinite. That's We're just going to have to wait and see on Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley Matthews, also out of the protocols. He will be playing tonight. Um, and then Dante DiVincenzo and Giannis went on the health and safety protocols on the same day. They are both eligible to return Friday, so they could be back for Christmas Day. So, Jake said, you know, maybe we don't get Christmas presents for the Packers, but maybe we get two for the Bucks. So, um, Giannis and Dante I, might be back Saturday for the Bucks. So, that might be our Christmas presents. Hey, that's why we call you Slick, because that was very well done. That was very well done. I like that. Um, I want to tell you about Ursan. I thought he signed with the Bulls, right? I thought I saw he signed with the Bulls. All right, pull up the old Twitter machine here. Um, yeah, I thought I saw Ursan. I didn't see Bulls. anything about it last night, so unless it happened today, I don't know. I think it, I yeah, think it I guess happened. it did. Yeah, 10 day. All right, never mind. Well, I, I was like, no, day. not Ursan. Don't go to the Why did you go dark to side. <laughs> right. Come on, Ursan. I love you. I love Ursan, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the I don't know if the Bucks are doing anything with their their hardship exemptions so um <clears throat> but yeah that's where they're at with everybody else so having middleton back will be nice go. hopefully get his yeah. legs under him again and and wesley matthews being back isn't a huge deal but it's just some depth even if it takes five or ten minutes off some other guys it's another body man another couple shots another couple defensive possessions signing back tj ford oh me and slick are gonna break out the <laughs> tj Ford jerseys baby <laughs> Yeah, I got like I have like two giveaway ones. My dad and I both got. Um, I could totally wear a TJ Ford jersey. Um, Dude, there's no way my face. The last two things that Jake and I have today. (laughs) Mine used to be like a nightgown, so mine probably does fit me. Um, The last two things Jake and I have for today is three goals for the Bucks to hit by the All Star break, and then Jake's got some Q and A. So Jake, I don't know which one you want to do first. Um, let's do goals first. Let's do goals first. All right. So Jake and I, each, each of one of our goals, um, one of our three is the Bucks record by the all-star break. Um, 
They have 28 games in between now and then. They are 19 and 13 currently. So uh, let's make that our first goal just to talk about just because that's the one we have the same goal for. So um, let's do the record first. So record for me, um, I was pretty basic with it. I didn't want to go too crazy because, you know, we've been dealing with injuries all year, dealing with health and safety protocols lately. So I just split those wins in half. I was like, all right, if we go 500 and we get to 33 wins, I'll still feel pretty good with myself with that. You know, you said it last week, and you were you said it in the text messages when we were talking. Like, the Bucks don't care about seeding. And I was kind of trying to push for it, but, you know, they don't. They don't care. As long as they get their guys back at a certain time, they'll be okay. So if they get to 33 wins um, by the All-Star break, you know, feeling pretty good about themselves, I think they'll be all right. Especially, you know, since Kyrie's still only going to be a road player. And the Nets are still the only real threat to us for the for the East. I mean, I'll feel okay. I I would maybe throw Miami in there, but they're really hot and cold. So um, I'm gonna I'll wait and see how they do in the playoffs. I think um, the Bucks can <clears throat> beat them. I I do too. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that the Bucks can't beat um, as long as they're healthy. Mm-hmm. So looking at their their opponents, uh, I went through it for me. I'd like to see the Bucks win 18 of the 28. Just because looking at some of the opponents they play, they play Houston tonight. They play Orlando mm-hmm. twice. They play the mm-hmm. Pelicans again. They play the Pistons again. Um, you know, they play they play Chicago coming up in January, but then they play Sacramento. Uh, they play Washington. They play Portland twice, both of the L.A. teams, Phoenix. Then they play the Pacers again, and they play the 76ers right before the All-Star break. So, um, there's really a lot of winnable games in there, assuming that everybody is healthy by all the dates that I just mentioned. So um, two of the big three back tonight. By the end of the weekend, all the big three could be back, and I believe they're like 11-1 and one with the big three healthy. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if the big three is all healthy by this weekend, that's only a couple more games that they have to get to. So um, Houston tonight, I think it's Dallas Friday, and then Boston on Saturday on Christmas Day. So. They play Dallas tomorrow. They play on Thursday. Oh, it's okay. They have all the teams have off on Friday, and then they play on Christmas. Um, Okay. But Luca just entered health and safety protocols today, so they're going to be without Luca. We're going to play the Mavs without Luca, and what are they without Luca? They're Porzingis shooting all the shots, and Hardaway Jr. (laughs) But other than that, Jason Kidd is their coach now. So (laughs) yeah. So. so my second goal was really, really basic. Um, it's because I believe in this team. It's the same goal I would have for the Packers. It's just get healthy. I mean, just get guys back. Get our superstars back. Get guys back into their roles. You know, I want I want Giannis back, dude. It's not the same watching the Bucks without Giannis, man. I'm not going to lie. Without Chris Middleton shooting his, his middies. I mean, I, I loved watching Drew Holiday score 40, but... It just wasn't the same. I want Brooke Lopez back too, man. Because, you know, when you're looking at stats, the Bucks are actually pretty terrible at blocking shots. You know, it's kind of like, like Brooke Lopez. six in the league, I think. That's yeah. So it's almost like Brooke Lopez has a big impact on his team or something that people didn't recognize. So, I, I mean, know. just. People only see his rebounding numbers and they're like, why does the Brooke Lopez rebound more? He's seven feet tall. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've only explained getting... it like 11 times on this show. but Yeah, we're not getting into that. Um, I just want to get healthy. 
That's, I mean, I told you, I texted you, I said it's pretty basic, but get healthy. I mean, it sounds simple, but it's really been an issue for the Bucks this year. So it's been an issue for entire leagues. I mean, the NHL is yeah. shutting down from today until Sunday. Um, yeah, Adam crazy. Silver said there's no plan to do that for the NBA, but I mean, it's happening in other leagues. Uh, you see all the COVID lists in the NFL. Um, I almost put get healthy on here just because that's something I call for a lot. Um, I just want to see the team's healthy. Um, for me, I went also kind of basic with my second one. Um, <clears throat> I want to see the Bucks make one trade, just one. Um, you know, my dream trade would be for Miles Turner just because I think he would fit so well. I love his skill set. Um, I saw an, an option that could be, you know, a George Hill replacement as the Bucks could maybe trade for Dennis Schroeder. Um, he has the familiarity with Budenholzer. Uh, George Hill hasn't been 2018 George Hill. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder's on a one-year $5.9 million deal. So if the Celtics can get a second-round pick and George Hill out of that, um, you know, that might be worth it to them just for the one year. Um, and, you know, the Bucks could grab an expiring contract. That contract's not huge, so it could work. Um, and then the last one is Bleacher Report suggested trading Dante DiVincenzo and Semi Ojale to the Magic for Mo Bamba. Oh, yes, then we can play Mo Bamba. We can play the song. <laughs> uh, so the, the trade deadline is February 10th. Uh, well, he could make sense. I think he's only like a 30% point shooter, but he's like a 72% free throw shooter, which is something we praise Brooke Lopez for as being like an 80 plus percent free throw shooter. Um, so Mo Bamba, he could, you know, offset some of the, you know, the, um, the woes that we're missing with Brooke Lopez. And in addition to his, like, he has a seven foot, 10 inch wingspan. Like he can scratch his knees standing up and he's seven feet tall. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Love those guys. Um, so Mo Bamba could could solve some of the the shot blocking woes that Jake just mentioned. Hey, do do you miss the days of playoff thon? Do you miss those days, <laughs> dude? Um, I don't, like but I do. Just, yeah, just I don't. I this much because like, of how hype we used to get. He would make. Yeah, like just for every one good play he'd make, he'd make like three bad ones. So like, yeah, dude, like I miss it. I'd miss it as much as much as I miss Jabari. Like, like it was yeah. cool. Like we'd get some cool dunks and stuff, and you know, you know, he'd make some jumpers, but he was terrible on defense. I mean, what happened to Thon is he went to the Pistons. Uh, Giannis made him look like a fool in that playoff series, and I haven't heard of him since. I really haven't. I, and his brother was supposed to be better Australia. than him. His brother was supposed to be he better might than be him. Back he had a in brother Australia because there was a video. I think it was last summer of him like jumping to drop kick a dude after in a game when teams were getting. Oh yeah, Don Maker was part of that. I remember uh, that. I so remember that. my guess would be he's probably playing <laughs> professionally overseas somewhere. My dad called that draft pick, which was the craziest thing of all time. By the way, um, I think my dad was talking about Don Maker too. I don't remember. I'm just glad the Bucks didn't draft Dante Exum when they picked Jabari. Oh my God! Right, dude, and he was getting I hated talked Dante up. Axum. I did not want Dante Axum. Oh, you know why I started hating him? Because he they made him a dick on the storyline on Two K. I was like, <laughs> screw this guy, man! I don't like you in real life now. <laughs> he's terrible in real life too. I think he's out of the league too. I think he was with the Cavs like two years ago, and I don't yeah. think he's anywhere. He might be in he the G moved. League somewhere, but that's a good place for him. Uh, 
Yeah, it is. So, anyways, back on track here. My third one is a pretty simple one, you would think, and that is to improve the team's free throw percentage. Uh, they're only shooting Whoa, 75. Look at us. Oh, we have the same one, you son of a bee. We, um, oh, oh, I'm way more in-depth, but you have one of them. So I'll um, that. The, they, they're only shooting 75%, which is actually 23rd in the league, and I do not like that because I've heard two things my entire life. One of them is kind of dumb, but it makes sense. Um, it, you play defense. If they don't score, you can't lose, right? I mean, it's just facts. You can only tie if they don't score. And then free throws win games. I've always heard that my entire life. My dad told me that one. And it's true. Look at Giannis in the finals, you know, the game six. He made his free throws, and we won that game. It was actually a very close competitive game. So I, oh, I, went, I, went, hard at the, I went hard at the the Suns coach for that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that too. You were, you were pretty heated about that, buddy. <laughs> I was. And I was right. So back to toot my own horn for being right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I threw out. Um, a couple individual things and a couple team things. So Jake oh, touched on one of them already, and I gave goals to hit for these things. Uh, one of them being the free throw percentage. Jake mentioned the Bucks are 23rd in the league. I would like to see the Bucks, if they can go from where they're at right now, which is 75%, if they can get up to 79%, that would take them from 23rd in the league to 8th. Um, the next one, turnovers. I've talked about this a lot. I talked about it during the playoffs. I talked about it during the beginning of the season. I've talked about it every single week since then. Um, the Bucks are 19th in the league in turnovers right now. They're averaging a little over 14 yeah. turnovers a game. If they can cut it by one, just one turnover a game, and get down to under 13.6, they'd be in the top 10. Yep. So those are my two team goals is for the Bucks to get into the top 10 in free throws and turnovers. Individual. Uh, Chris Middleton, um, I'd like to see him get his turnovers down a little. I'm not panicking about it, um, but I'd like to see him get his turnovers down just a little. And then I'd like to see Chris Middleton get back to 50-40-90 area shooting. Um, right now he's shooting 41.2% of field goals. I'd like to see him get back to 45-plus. Uh, Three-point shooting is at 35.1%. I'd like to see him get to that 39-plus area. And then his free-throw shooting, it's at 87.8. So he's still shooting really well at the free-throw line, but I'd like to see him hit that 50-40-90 after being so close the last two years. Yeah. Um, in the team free-throw percentage, um, Drew Holiday is part of that. Drew Holiday is shooting like his career-low free-throw percentage. He's shooting 67.3% on free-throws this year. Um, he's had years where he shot like 84%. So even if he can just get to 75%, that would be great. He's a 77% career free throw shooter. So if he mm. can just raise that average just to 75%, that would be my goal for Drew Holiday. And then my last person is Giannis. Uh, I'd like to see him get his assist numbers up just a smidge. His career high, he's hit five assists per game twice. So I'd like to see Giannis finally get over the hump to averaging six assists or more per game. And then his uh, three-point percentage. <coughs> it's 28% this year. I'd like to just see him climb up into the low 30s. If he can get to 33% where he's making one in three three-pointers, I feel that that's enough 
to make teams respect that Giannis can can shoot three pointers, even if it doesn't mean that he's not actually a three point threat. If they just have to think about it for a split second, that's all that Giannis needs to get his advantage wherever else he needs it. Might help him with those assist numbers. Just saying. Maybe. So that was my last goal was some team and individual statistic goals by the All-Star break. Okay. I like it. All right. All right. Last thing we have then is some Q&A by Jake. Jake has some questions about the Bucks, so let her rip. Okay. So you already kind of talked about this, and I'm getting sick and tired of you looking ahead, damn it. Give me one trade target not named Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about um, hmm. I'm trying to think outside the box and not just go really easy and an obvious one. Mm-hmm. I got one that you're going to like. I don't think it'll happen, but I got one that I think you'll like. Hmm. I'm thinking really hard if you can't tell. I see that. Damn, I didn't think this was going to be the one to get you. <laughs> I got four, by the way. I got four good ones. Jeez. Can you tell I'm a little preoccupied with wanting Lyle Turner? I see. That's why I put that in there. Put All the right. stipulation so, in there for I hate the guy, but I, I can't deny that Jonas Valanciunas wouldn't be a good trade target for the Bucks. That's a good one. I didn't think about that. Uh, that, that, that would be crazy, actually. Um, I put Robert Covington. I've heard that floated around. The only thing I think is an issue is his contract is just a little bit too big. Just yeah. a little bit too big. I know, but he his play style just fits in so I know. I love Robert Covington, dude. too. I really do. I love Robert I know Robert. you do. I know you do. That's why I said you were going to like my answer, buddy. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, okay. I like him, and, and I can't deny that his fit wouldn't be great with the Bucks too, but yeah. um, I think his contract is just a little bit too big. Covington, he's a 3 and D guy. He's a guy who can throw on Durant in the playoffs. He would take that beating for a little bit. You switch over to Drew, he would fit in like a P.J. Tucker, except he's a little bit more skilled. He could finish at the rim a little better. Um, he's a little bit next one. Shooter, yeah, he is. He, he doesn't shoot just corners, too. Right. Um, who is your current MVP candidates? I want your top three, and I want you to rank them in order from one to three. Is that your... You have four questions, or you have four trade targets? No, I have four, I have four questions. This is just, okay. I want you to okay. give me your MVP <clears throat> candidates. Okay, so MVP candidates. You know, <clears throat> I saw this discussion pop up, and my three are going to be Jokic, Curry, and Giannis in that order. Um, KD is probably number four, um, just because, you know, if Kyrie and Harden are there, he's – back to being a cog in a machine and not the only player playing. Um, that being said, KD is going absolutely nuts. But keep in mind, we are in the first third of the season. Um, to me, Jokic is far, not I guess not far in a way, but he's pretty far ahead 
because he's, if you look at player efficiency rating, and I know Kendrick mm-hmm. Perkins went off on it when he was asked about it the other day, uh, just because he doesn't like player efficiency rating, and I won't say why I think Kendrick Perkins probably doesn't like it because he doesn't <laughs> understand how it's calculated and there's math involved. And, and his wasn't very um, good. <laughs> uh, Nikola Jokic's player efficiency rating is like three points higher than Giannis's was two years ago when he won the MVP and broke Wilt Chamberlain's record. I know, I saw that. Nikola Jokic is like four points ahead of where Giannis was when he broke the record. So I mean, Jokic is—he's he he embodies the word's most valuable player. Um, he really, really, really does everything. Um, that said, Curry's taken the Warriors back to relevance. Um, they haven't even gotten Clay Thompson back, and you know people are already putting the Warriors in the finals. Um, and then Giannis. I really, really made this prediction in the beginning of the year. I think you did too, but I really think that Giannis could do MVP and Defensive Player of the Year again. Um, I really, really believe that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard. I wouldn't disagree if you put KD anywhere one through four, but those three for me are the ones that stand out. I hate you for having the same three because I don't have KD in mine either, but I have a different order than you. I have okay. Curry first because Curry is – I mean, he's on the best team in my opinion, and he's the main player on that team. And then I have Giannis, okay. and then I have Jokic because personally I still think Giannis is more valuable than Jokic because Giannis can take over the game on defense where I don't see Jokic doing that. But yeah, Jokic, Jokic yeah. is so crazy on offense where he can pass the ball and he can shoot the ball and he can just do so much on offense <laughs> that it's just kind of like – it's kind of hard to ignore his impact, but I actually have Jokic third, Giannis second, Curry, th- Curry if first. If you give me any of those four, any of those four in any order, I probably wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah, and I like agree. Like I said, There's... it is only the first third of the season, so yep. I think the month of December and January is going to kind of give a little more um, perspective, a little more, yeah, a little more perspective, a little more weight to what each of them are doing. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so this is a Bucks question. Uh, where would you like to see the Bucks improve on offense and on defense? So I just did my third goal was was here was free throws and turnover. <laughs> uh, for me, I mean, if you even if you take into my my answer when you ask for a trade, so mm-hmm. offense and defense. I already mentioned the individual stuff, the free throws. Um, defense, the shot blocking. It's it's what the Bucks based their defense on ever since they brought Budenholzer in is defending inside out. I went on a rant about this last week. The Bucks are going to allow teams to shoot the three because it's the lowest percentage shot they shoot. Mm-hmm. But the Bucks want you shooting threes, not layups, because it's harder. Yeah, it's worth one more point because it's harder. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, five... 50, okay, here we go. I'm going to give you a math example. Let's say it's 3% of threes and 50% inside the paint. Five two-point makes is 10 points. Three three-point makes is nine points. Which one hurts you more? Obviously, 10 hurts more than nine. So the Bucks are going to keep letting teams shoot threes. They need a rim protector. 
I love what Bobby has done, and Bobby Portis is so fantastic for this team, but he's not a rim protector. That's why the Bucks need Brooke Lopez. That's why I want the Bucks to trade for Miles Turner so damn bad. Because he's an elite rim protector. He's elite. He led the league in blocks last year. He's leading the league in blocks this year. And he's a good three-point shooter. I want Miles Turner so bad. I know um, you do. But I mean, you know, even the Mo Bamba thing, that's that's an option. Um, I've seen Bull Bull's name brought up. He's not getting a ton of playing time with Denver. Maybe, maybe grab him to just say, hey, come in, play 15 minutes, and block as many shots as you humanly possibly can. No. Um, I mean, the same, you would basically do the same thing with Mo Bamba. Just come in, block a bunch of shots, and make your free throws when you get fouled. So, to answer your question, I would say refer to my third goal for offense and uh, rim protecting slash shot blocking for the defense. So, this is how I answered this question. Uh, on offense, I wrote down, get, take, and make better shots. Uh, on offense, we are shooting 45% uh, shooting, you know, let alone all together, three-pointer and everything. That's an average. That's 18th in the, in the NBA. That's not super good. It's not super bad. Um, with that being said, I want them to get more fast break points. The Bucks, you know, and that goes to your point with, with shot blocking and altering shots. The Bucks do a great job of taking that ball. You know, Brook Lopez usually boxes out, and we get on fast yes, break I'm pretty fast. Yep. Yep. Glad so uh, we're averaging 12 points per game in the fast break, which is 14th. So that's still top half of the NBA. But I think the Bucks could be doing a little bit better. We I'd got like a lot to see of them athletes. around like 20, honestly. I'd like to see yeah, them around 20 fast break points a game. The, the Bucks can do that, man. They have the athletes. They have the people that can finish. They have We've the talked about. Too. We've talked about Pat Connaughton's ability to make shots mm-hmm. at the rim. Chris Middleton's improved the last couple of years. We know Drew Holiday's great around the rim, so that's something that I and wanted then, you know, to bring you add up. In, you know, add in Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton's yeah. three-point shooting. Pat so, Connaughton's shooting over 40% on threes this year. Grayson Allen's like leading the league. He's like top five in um, three-point attempts. So, I mean, you know, we have options to get the fast break going. So... I agree with you on that. I'd like to see him around this, 20. This next thing I'm going to say is going to blow your mind. I was waiting for this. So last year, uh, so defense, I also wrote down blocking shots because that's really the only thing that they're really bad at, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Um, last year, we gave up 14.2 three-pointers per game. This year, they're giving up 14.2 three-pointers per game. <laughs> Same amount. Um, team's average shooting 41 three-pointers per game against us. That is 30th. But, like you said, that's to our strength. We give that up. We are 28th in mix per game. But when you couple that with our points per, per game in the paint, this is the next part that's going to really blow your mind. Last year, they gave up 42.3 points per game. That was second in the NBA, points in the paint. This year, they're third in the NBA on giving up points per game at 42.3 points per game. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, right? (laughs) So, yeah, that was off that that shit I sent you earlier. I was like, what? That's crazy. So, anyways, this last one, I think I know your answer. But, oh, this one's going to be pretty good. You might think on this one. So, say that Dante is healthy, right? And they don't make a trade for Covington. And we both love Pat Connaughton, and his impact is inevitable. 
Would you consider ever in the playoffs starting Pat Connaughton over Grayson Allen? No. No? I knew you were nope. going to say that. T- tell me why. I I love Pat Connaughton as one of the first guys off the bench. I think okay. he is absolutely thriving in that role, being mm-hmm. the, the three-point marksman with the second unit. And one thing we don't talk about with Pat Connaughton a lot is his impact on defense. He's actually a pretty solid defender, and he's a hard worker. He hustles, and you know, I, I really love his role as one of the first guys off the bench, whether he be the sixth man or the seventh man, depending on if um, if Brooke is back. Then I think Bobby Portis becomes the sixth man if Pat Connaughton becomes your seventh man. But, um, you know, I personally, I like Pat Connaughton being the backup small forward more than you know him being a a backup or starting shooting guard yeah so i actually thought that too i just thought "Eh, it's a little interesting might throw a little curveball at you because everybody has the grayson allen dante debate so it was just something to consider you know since he is shooting so well this year but and i i think part of that is because he's playing second unit defenses so i mean you have to take that into account you know if he's you know the starting shooting guard say and then say we have a matchup with the Celtics, and then he's going against Jalen Brown. That's a much harder matchup for him than going yeah. against, say, Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench. Yeah. Well, talking about the Celtics, I hope we can get our revenge on them on Christmas Day. That would be nice. It would be nice to have everybody back, or mostly yeah. everybody back. Yeah, that, that's true as well. You know, we played them a couple of times, and like people have just been out, and people are leaving the game early. It's just like... And people think that the Celtics are beating the Bucks. It's like you're not really beating the Bucks, you know that, right? <laughs> right. That's like so, like the Cavaliers thing. Like people freaking out, being like, "Oh, the Bucks just got beat by 29 by the Cavaliers." Like, yeah, did you see how many players played in that game and who they were? Right. Right. I mean, like Mamu is getting a lot of opportunity, and that's good for him. I'm excited to see him get that opportunity, and I hope he keeps playing well. But mm-hmm. I mean. You really think that Mamu, as a rookie, is giving the same impact that Lopez would on the floor at the same time as Giannis Middleton and Holiday? Right, and he and technically, you know, you brought up Bobby before. Mamu was being like the first big man off the bench. Really, he's playing the Bobby Portis role. He's not going to make that impact either, you know. And you know, even further down the road, I mean, <laughs> Grayson Allen didn't play that game after dropping twenty-five points against Pelicans. Yeah, so I mean. We really had nobody. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of G League guys, which is where Jordan Wara was. He was down in the G League. He got mm-hmm. called back up when everybody went on the COVID list. I mean, we yeah. have Javante Smart, who has been a G League guy. And we have a veteran George Hill. Yeah. I mean, Drew Holiday's really been our only star playing for the last seven days. I know, it kind of sucks. <laughs> That's why I said I miss Giannis. <laughs> I miss I miss Giannis and Middleton and Bobby and. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm excited to see Dante make his debut, hopefully on Saturday. So. That'd be nice, man. I mean, I did. I wrote an article for it about Grayson Allen and Dante, and I do. I I strongly believe that their roles are going to be basically the exact same, and their minutes are going to be basically the exact same. And you're just going to have to deal with a scrappy white guy playing shooting guard the entire game. I mean, that's good for us. So I'm cool. <laughs> Especially, you know, when you consider the new rule changes where they're kind of letting a little bit more physicality go. So it's it's kind of real basketball now. 
you get a Grayson Allen or a, a Dante hanging on you for 40 minutes, 48 minutes, I mean, that shit gets tiring. You know, one guy gets three fouls, look you at, send the other guy in there. They're the same thing. Think about that against the Nets. We talked about missing Dante last year against the Nets when we are talking about defending Kyrie and Harden. Yeah, I know. Now we have Dante and Grayson Allen. And the that. rules are changed. And the rules are changed, which is a huge thing. They should have just called that the James Harden rule, but I they see really should have. They didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, he probably um, would have cried about it. <laughs> he cried about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he still did. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. So, as far as the health and safety protocols are concerned, Budenholzer said he feels like we're about to turn a corner. So, I mean, it's we're really just a few few days away. So, just calm down today and tomorrow. Don't freak mm. out. I mean, Middleton's back tonight, so we got two of the big three back. Hopefully, by Saturday, we'll have all three back. So, um, I don't know if you got anything else. No, sir. Uh, just go pack go and box and six, baby. All right. So go Bucks, go Packers, and Merry Christmas. Yes, everybody drive safe. Enjoy your families. Do not forget that part. That's the most important part. That means right. you as well, buddy. Bud. All right. Later, <laughs> my man.